Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now for this week's episode. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up of the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's Christmas! Woo! Almost! Oh, uh, ho, ho. Still, 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 a bell. Yes, <laughs> still a little bit of time until we get there, but we have reached the end of the year. We made it, guys. And so we are celebrating, as we normally do, with two Christmas films. And just to mix it up a bit, the first film we're watching is the one that you picked at home. We asked for you to nominate your favourite Christmas films we hadn't already covered and vote. And you chose... Gremlins, because of course you did. <laughs> Joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Andrew David. Hello, I'm here again. Yes, happy Christmas, Andrew. Happy Christmas, ha- almost. Yeah, well, yeah, close enough. Get um, in there. How, how much are you looking forward to uh, the, the festive times this year? Uh, it's going to be an interesting one because I'm going away for most of the period, which I, I never do. So I'm excited to just get out of town for a little bit, which mm-hmm. obviously no one's really been able to do this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's going to be good. Lots of time at the beach is my plan. Mm. He says this sat here with a large amount of sunburn <laughs> from having been out at the beach yesterday. So. Yeah, it was a good time, but I'm paying for it now. Mm. Yes, yeah, so what I'm saying, all I'm saying is, is I hope that Santa gets you a big sunbrella. Uh, you have not seen Gremlins. I have not. So what do you know about this film? This is one of the films that is on the list of things I should have seen and I've always wanted to watch, but I never got around to. I feel like I've absorbed a lot of it into my lexicon over the years anyway. Like mm. I know the rules, uh, don't get them wet, don't feed after midnight. We can talk about the logistics of that mm. later on, I'm sure. Mm. Um, but I don't really know what the plot is other than there are cute things and then there are mean things. Mm. Which is mm. most films in general. Hmm. Um, joining us as our guest who has seen the film, it is Tegan Mulvaney. Hi. Happy Christmas, Tegan. Merry Christmas, everyone. God bless us all. Uh, I think Tiny, t- Tiny Tegan giving us a <laughs> lovely message. Um, t- Tegan, Christmas time, mistletoe and wine, uh, and other words that Paul McCartney sang. Uh, <laughs> uh, are you looking forward to the festive season? Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm working all Christmas, so it'll be nice. Um, it'll be different. Mm-hmm. As one of Santa's elves, I presume. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm tiny Tegan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be quiet. I quite like a nice quiet Christmas mm. here and there. Um, and like I said, I'm working. So, but I get to be around, I'm working, um, for a charity where, so I'll be around lots of families who have been uh who are at the hospitals this year so it'll be actually quite lovely because i'll get to be with them and make their christmases a bit better because their kids are a bit sick so yes uh is one of the ways that you'll be making their christmas better by popping on gremlins on the tv totally because you know nothing (laughs) nothing quells sickness in children than scaring the hell out of them Mm. (laughs) little creatures um so you have seen this film yeah um in in a vague non-spoilery sort of way what is Gremlins all about and how is it related to the holiday season? Uh, I think it's one of those films that's debated because it's set at Christmas. So is it really a Christmas it's film a or isn't situation. it? Yeah, kind of. Except this one is a bit more Christmassy than that. Like it's, um, you know, it, it's, it does become kind of a part of the plot a little bit more than, than your diehards. Um, it's just fun. It's darker than I think... Most people really, considering it's a kind of a kid's film, Mm. um, but it's still heaps of fun. I do think the sequel's better. That might be controversial, but the sequel is ridiculous. Mm. And I, and I think the two get blended in together. You know, you say like 
there's there's films that you we were just talking about Mad Max before and how Mad Max and Mad Max Two feel like the same film. Mm. It's kind of like this with Gremlins, where you where you, Gremlins Two, where you watch it and you go, oh, oh, that's right, that's in that film, not this one. I have that with all the with the Superman films, which we did on this podcast, mm. and I was like, I thought it was all connected. I thought it was all in the same thing. Yes. No. Yeah, it's good. It's great. I'm looking forward to it. It was made the year I was born, so this film is 36 years old. Nice. Excellent. And wearing as well as you, we hope. Uh, oh, stop it. Shall we watch Gremlins? If it moisturised, it will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those of you listening at home, uh, pop in those DVDs and turn out the lights because light bright, light bright, light bright <laughs> as we watch Gremlins. I don't know what that means. That was yeah. good. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Gremlins, and I'm joined once again by Tegan. Hello. And Andrew. I'm still here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> normally we go to the person who hasn't seen the film first, and we ask how they found it, and we are going to do that, but, but Tegan, I'm going to come to you first. Mm. What the f*** was that? <laughs> what did we just watch? <laughs> you watched a Christmas film. Yes. Guys. But but what what is Gremlins meant to be? <laughs> <laughs> who even knows? Like... It's the best. I forgot how confused it is as a film. It is a bunch of writers, directors, and creatives just make, with too much money, just going, this is what I want to make. And they did it. Mm. And I should say, I'm confused, but I loved it. Yeah, it's entertaining. 100%. Yeah. Every other scene is like, I feel like you just went to the art department or you went to... Uh, a storyboard artist or something and said just do something weird here yeah. and put it in this scene and we'll make it, we'll fit it in somewhere and that's what 80 percent of the film is totally. and it works mm, totally yeah. so did you enjoy it andrew i did enjoy it i yeah. really enjoyed it i was confused by it as you also appear to be mm-hmm. um the tone is all over the place but there's just like a weird charm to it that you don't really get in a lot of films anymore. Yeah. Or, I guess, ever in any other circumstance. Because <laughs> mm. they're just like throwing stuff at the wall and whether or not it hits or not, they're just going with it. And yeah. a lot of that throwing it at the wall is literally just throwing stuff at the wall. <laughs> yeah. You just have like a limp puppet and you're going to throw it at the wall or throw uh, a dummy out a window. Mm. It is... I, I just don't know what to make of it. That, that Honestly, because I... I... I have recollections of seeing this film when I was a lot younger. Um, and I was telling you in the break, and I'll tell you now, dear listener, that uh, when I was a little baby, my parents called me Gizmo because I made little noises like Gizmo. Little Howie Mandel noises. Like yeah, I was a very musical baby. Um, <laughs> but but um, so I'm like, I'd seen, I've definitely seen bits of it because I have like recollections of it, but I, I don't, I just don't remember this film being so nuts like it, it is and you're right tonally i don't think they knew what they wanted like as, as much as they are having a lot of fun it's it's a madcap comedy it's a horror film it's um it's got one of the best tragic backstories <laughs> slash worst tragic backstories <laughs> that amazing. i've ever heard in the most inappropriate time yeah yeah it was almost like so oh wonderful. we need this needs to happen because we're two-thirds of the way through the film quick just get phoebe cates to to talk about her dead dad in the chimney that's so funny um but but the thing is is like it's such it's such, i think it, that kind of perfectly encapsulates the film it's a really funny and stupid thing that happened to her dad that's being told in this very serious um, morose way but then just but so out of nowhere mm. as well she's like okay now i have to tell you yeah. why i hate christmas yeah oh ta-da while our lives yeah. are in danger and yeah. everyone we know could be being murdered mm. by alien monsters and that's the thing the rest of the film is almost a flip of that scene where people are being murdered by snow plows and thrown out of windows when yeah, they're electric Yeah, but they're people done. we don't like. It, there are it's people fine. we don't like. But it's being done in a way that made me laugh. Like, I was like, that, that old yeah. lady died horribly <laughs> that, fearing for her life. <laughs> that stairwell was way bigger than the house. <laughs> it just kept going. Yeah. And that's just it. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, it's really bizarre. Um... I don't know where to continue, honestly. I, I think the main problem I have with the film, and I, I did really enjoy it, is that I don't know where the wink-wink 
nudge nudge ends and the if there's any oblivious um like if, if they're really going for something real to them that doesn't stick i don't know where that line is yeah like at the beginning of the film, he's in Chinatown. The dad's in Chinatown and he goes and buys a present from a dodgy store. Mm. And it, it's a slightly off-putting scene. It's a little, mm. It very much plays into the, the mystic Asian trope, which, which is not good. Mm. But the film also tries to tie it into cultural appropriation and it toes the line of trying to analyse this white man coming in and taking something he's mm-hmm. not meant to have and not understanding it from another culture. And then at the end, the the shop owner comes back mm-hmm. and reprimands everyone yeah. and it's all fine. And I don't know if they were trying to say something about cultural appropriation or they were trying to say something about uh, media that tries to say stuff about cultural appropriation in a bad way. Yeah, It feels like one of those films or one of those scripts that was probably written with that kind of moral sensitivity written into it so that it's there for a reason. Because I totally agree. It feels like it's even said, it's like, this is what you do with, you know... You white people You white people do this and you Mm. you mess everything up. It's like, it's obviously in there. Like, I was... You also read it as, this is what happens when people treat animals badly. Like, yeah. ev- like there's no sense of care for these for this mm. new, strange, unique animal. But then a lot of people, probably on a lot of coke, got this <laughs> script and just went, "This is a great idea. This is a great idea." And no one, no one had an editing brain on. Mm. Imagine being the editor of this film this and like having all of that content unfiltered. Totally. Like that bar scene where there it's just shot after shot of sight gags. That reminded me of listening to two um two puppeteers talk about the Dark Crystal mm-hmm. and about um there's a bar scene in the Dark Crystal series and about how that's what they were doing. They were constantly coming up with more and more different sight gags that they yes. could do with the characters and then and then they would be put in here and there, but there's like reels of film mm. of them sight gagging it. And that's it. I was like, well, that's what's clearly happened in this Gremlins that's what film. You just, they just let the puppeteers do whatever yes. they want, which is great. And then created and then went to the you know art department and went, okay, we want one that's drinking and then his belly blows up. And then we want one who can be a puppet, a puppet who's a puppeteer himself. And we want this and that. It was like, it was brilliant to a point, but then you just start going, oh, someone's lost control here. It goes on 50% too long. Totally, probably. totally. It's not necessary and it's cute at the start, but it's like the sight gags just get more and more ridiculous, which is fun, but, but like they're for the credits, you know? That's what you throw into the credits yes, when yeah. you want to add it. Uh, Tina Hirsch was the name of the editor uh, for this film. <laughs> Poor Tina. Uh, she also uh, edited such films as... Um, she edited the It's a Good Life sequence from the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, and uh, Aeroplane 2, the sequel. Oh, she's she's done a lot. She's done a lot of madcap. Yeah. But it's funny watching this film and then watching Gremlins 2. Mm. Because Gremlins 2 knows what it is right from the start. It is, it's very 90s. But it is this super meta, stupid film. And that's why it's argued to be one of those rare occasions where the sequel is better than the original okay. because it's it's ridiculous but it knows it is it's why it, like it, Hulk Hogan's in it stopping the movie halfway through because you know so they break into reality and that sort of stuff it's it's got heaps of cameos and dumb stuff but they it's it's very much cemented in this world as opposed to are we watching a horror are we watching a comedy is this a, you know is this a moral film a moral tale Still, still good fun. Mm. I, I have to say, um, as as much as it is all over the place, I felt that most of the acting was actually pretty good. Like, uh, absolutely, like, I thought everyone in it was really yeah. good, really committed. You've to got the amazing role. actors yeah. in it as I, well. I feel... you had the the neighbour from Wizard of Oz. Mm. Oh, uh, Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> yes, <just laughs> exactly <laughs> the same character. Yeah, she died with her feet sticking up out she of yes, she did so the chair. Did. I'm sure that was a, maybe and a slight. She wanted the dog. That's yeah, so great. that's true. Um, yeah, but, but there's there's nobody. Maybe I'll lead to uh, Phoebe Cates at times was a bit 
not there, but also the character's kind of not there. She's building up to her one big moment, which is my dad dying <laughs> yes. in the chimney. Um, and then Billy's like, great, go find the light switch, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's just it. Like, you know, she, she did really well with that. Um, she also has a lot more to do in Gremlins too. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Is it mostly the same cast? It's, so it's uh, Billy and Phoebe Kate's character, which I can't remember the name, and Kate. it's the neighbours. So oh. the neighbours come to visit. Basically, they're living in New York and they work in this massive big skyscraper building which is also like a condensed little city and it has a um a film lab in there as well so they make tvs tv there and stuff um yeah they all work in and it's an uh, he's i think he's an architect but in this building it's weird so like it's, it's all it's like a bottle episode in the one building totally mm-hmm. yeah cool. think of like the movie Judge Dredd, you know, oh, where yeah, I think it was like yeah, the raid, yeah, 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 that sort of thing. Home Alone too. Home yeah. Alone too. All in one. Um, and so, basically, you know, same things happen. Shock horror. They get wet and all that sort of stuff. But there's also science experiments going on in this big skyscraper as well. And so they all, all the gremlins get turned into weird, freaky gremlins. Like one of them, oh, one of them takes cool. an intelligence serum so he can talk, and he has a talk show. <laughs> One of them turns into a lady and she's like a full, like big titted lady gremlin. And it's just hilarious. Mm. It's really cute. Um, we should watch that next. Is it another Christmas film? No. Oh, okay. When you, have a, when you have a New York thing, yeah. we'll do, or, or sequels, a month of sequels, mm-hmm. we'll do that. We'll do it then. Yeah. Okay. Good plan. Um, yeah. I, I, but I thought the, the acting in general was great. Um, the excellently named Polly Holiday played ruby deagle we're all going on <laughs> um holiday. holiday yeah and she's she's still knocking around she's um she's must have been reasonably young and playing a bit older because she's 83 now wow um but she was great um she's Ho- epic yeah like... hoyt axton uh, great name was uh rand peltzer was was Aww. the dad and oh, he he's was so good yeah, he was great. I loved him as the narrator, even though his narration at the end made virtually no sense. I don't know why he's narrating the film. I don't know who he's telling the story <laughs> he's to. He's like, well, I about. brought you this thing. I'm off to a convention where the time machine literally <laughs> disappears halfway through. There's a lot going on in, this, in the yeah, background of this film. That was Robbie so the Robot taking funny. an actual phone call. Yes. It was... Like, and he's just not questioning any of it. Again, mm. someone's coked off their mind. Mm. Just I, going, this is great. We've got, yeah. They've got too much money. You always hear about films running out of money. They had too much that mm. they threw Throwing in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Frances Lee McCain, uh, who, was, um, her, uh, who was Mrs. Um, Peltzer oh, and her, her kitchen ass. homicide sequence. God. Amazing. She just, just when, when she killed the first gremlin with the blender um, in contraption thing. It was like a mini John Wick scene. It was... And, and like her face and her intensity. She's so good. And the whole thing. I, I genuinely believed her, like her fear and her and like. Her fight mm, or flight kicking yeah. in. And, yeah. And like when she grabbed the second knife, it's a little bit <laughs> that funny. It's so funny. But it's also like, no, you would grab two knives. It's, br- it's one of those underrated, brilliant acted scenes. Like mm. where you just go, oh, that's, that's clever and probably improvised. Mm. Oh, for sure. You know, like, so I feel like she's made that up or someone's off state off screen going grab another one she's like oh okay like it's one of those beautifully crafted scenes and it's yeah. a scene that makes you like i could watch the whole film of her like john yes. wicking through the town killing gremlins you almost want her to be ways. the protagonist yeah in the whole for sure film. she'd be fun like the mum in child's play if mm. we're going to talk about horror movie mums she's kind of got that same vibe okay. um where the kid's an idiot who's got this creepy doll and she's the one who like carries it through yeah, because the second she hears something upstairs, she's like, she's like something's no. gone wrong. Yeah. There's a weird mm. facehugger alien eggs up there. I'm yeah. going to grab a knife mm. and go take care of it. Um, and Judge Reinhold's in this film. He is. A- for like two minutes. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, just playing like um, a character who I think in the original version of this film was a bit of a bigger role. Um, he must have got Gremlin. Oh, I believe he did get Gremlin. Yeah. Uh, or... I'll have to double check the trivia, but yeah, he he was definitely a character who was going to be more present in Billy's life, like as a an antagonistic presence, either like you know trying to pick up Kate before Billy can, or Aww. or like bullying him in the workplace and things like that. But it's fine; he got yeah. to do Beverly Hills Cop. It's it is fine. fine, but yeah, but his look, his one two scenes that he did, he was great. 
He delivers his lines so strangely. He's always got, it's like he's had a bit of a stroke. Like it's just mm. a little bit slower than his mouth's moving. He, he sounds like a guy who's gotten ahead in life somehow and now he has to put on a farce. Yes. And he's acting like he thinks someone in that situ- situation should be acting. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the most perfect way of explaining him. Yeah. Um, Gizmo. Did... Oh, yes. Uh, nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> Andrew, with, with the character of Gizmo, uh, with the, the obviously puppetry being such a big part of this film, um, what are your thoughts on Gizmo in terms of as this sort of like cute and uh, protagonist? Yeah, I mean... It works. You you feel for the character. I see like a real direct through line from Gizmo straight up to Baby Yoda. Mm. Like there's a clear influence there going on. Um, uh, the puppetry is really well done. It, because there's so many puppets, there is uh, like a, a quantity versus quality issue in some scenes. But they mm. also just play that for laughs. Mm. Like you when you get the the gremlins going, you just have a bunch of them on metal poles that the poles are clearly being swung around rather than them doing anything but the gizmo puppet itself that's probably the most detailed one Mm. and i think it really works yeah i think it works quite well too i almost feel as though gizmo is a little bit wasted in this film because as soon as the gremlins like turn up as the the evil thing he's kind of just shunted to the side until he gets his barbie car ride at the end and which is not needed no. At all, no. it's just cute, but not it needed. Is. And like he does, also he is ultimately the one that like kills Stripe with opening the window. But it it does feel as though maybe it's because of the Mandalorian. But I wanted more from my Billy uh, Billy Gizmo connection that I'm getting with Mando and um, Grogu now. I Grogu, guess we can yes. say yes. Um, but spoilers, yeah. Yeah, but Gizmo and Billy, there's just no connection there. He's literally. I was like, Billy, you've already got a dog. You've got a great dog. It's not like he's been yearning for a pet for years mm. and his dad's finally come home and it's like, here, I finally got you a pet mm. and I've violated a million like uh, laws in the exotic animal trade and we should really be looking into what this creature is. Mm. And I, So can I, I just need to go on a tangent a little bit about the biology teacher. Yeah, here. sure. Mr. Hansen. Um, yeah, and about how bad of a scientist he is. <laughs> okay, go on. Well, just... Anyone that has anything to do with biology would, a second a creature like that shows up, would be like, oh, I need to call a million departments in the government to discuss what is going on here. Either there's an exotic animal ring in this town that we need to take care of very quickly, or I need to call the Invasive Species Authority because there's some weird mammal that's gonna, that can apparently breed by itself with a single drop of water. Mm. This is a major ecological problem. Mm. Um, and then... It just, there's just a lot like of... You had to get that off your chest. You were like, <sighs> I wrote it all in caps as it was happening. Uh, he's, just, he's not doing a good job. No, uh, this section of what the science was not brought to you by Kato <laughs> Sullivan, but That's by Andrew That's amazing. Um, I mean, the, yeah, the... the I, I do think you have to leave your brain at the door. And I think the film sets itself up when it starts in Chinatown with essentially like he's talking to a rip-off short round i've got yeah. notes on the bathroom buddy as well oh yes which is what opens the film mm. um it's clunky it's a very bad design mm. he's it's trying 1984 he's, but he, he specifically designed it to save space on travel that's true i think it's going to take up most of your carry-on i know it, it is 1984 but nowadays you could not fly with and that why does thing. it have that much toothpaste in it it's like much toothpaste that's a clear clearly an easy fix is just reduce the amount of toothpaste easy. in there mm. that's probably most of the mass but you, could, yeah. you couldn't fly with anything like that now no that would immediately get confiscated and um can you replace the toothbrush or is that it looks like it's permanently or the attached. razor or the razor it's all permanently yeah. attached well, that's how he makes the money that's true you gotta come back for thing. it yeah but you're right the film does throw a lot of illogical things at you very quickly to mm. kind of prime you to not mm. care about those fallacies yeah. it's which like I a, still do it, but I can yeah it's like a Donald Trump press from. conference there's just so much <laughs> weird bizarre stuff happening that you're just like wait nope that one flew past too quickly yeah that's how I feel about the pet ownership in it like you're like how you're feeling about the science. I'm yeah. like that about the pet ownership. It's like why do you keep turning the light on when you know when you know your pet? You've got three rules for this pet. You don't even have to Which is give far it fresh water. Rules than yeah, most then pets. a real pet. Mm. It's like so, you, but you break them all. 
You don't tell your friend who's got a massive glass of orange juice all the time near this gizmo, <laughs> near this mogwai. Hey, if you get him wet, he's going to... We don't know what will happen. Also, why don't you ask why you can't get him wet in the first place? Yeah. It's like, we know these rules. We don't know why. It is because they Cha-ching. are not ready. So this is it. This is the message of the film. Yeah, but that kid knew. There that is stupid also... kid at the start knew who sold the mogwai. Like, yeah, you could have just asked he, he the dumb kid. He knew all the rules and knew they were important. Yeah. Also, the second he his dad gives Billy the the present and it's wrapped up and he asks, is it a bird? And then he shakes yeah, he's the, the box. Yeah, he's terrible right from the start. No, no sympathy like, for Billy. He clearly Billy. loves his dog a lot, but he clearly has no idea about anything else. Yeah. He loves his dog Billy and takes it to work and ties it under the desk. Yeah, that seemed like a poor choice. That's it's stupid. when he's, his mum is home all the time, apparently. Yeah, that's it. So it's not like it's... He's, the dog's missing out. Can mm. I just say that in that first scene where Billy goes to unwrap the mogwai, the background of the mum using the dim the lights machine <laughs> made me laugh oh, so much. There is some good. background work that she does in particular mm. that is hilarious. Mm. Just that, that pulling that massive long antenna out and clicking it and then trying to use it on the phone later. <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean... There's, there's just so, so much that's happening in a relatively short space of time. But, like, on the whole, it is fun. Like, yeah. I, 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 do, I do have to wonder, because obviously it is Christmas time and this is one of our two Christmas films for the year. Is it a good Christmas film? It's less Christmassy than I remembered. Mm. I mean, they murder Santa Claus. That and they murder Santa Claus in the backstory as well. Yeah. So, and could, um, what's what's the lead female's name again? What's her name again? Uh, the character's name is Kate, played by Phoebe Kate. Cates. Yeah, because she has this spiel about how a lot of people are depressed at Christmas time. So it seems to be the film is set up to be a, a rebuff to the Christmas spirit in a way, almost mm-hmm. grinchy. Mm. But it doesn't take a hard stance either way with that argument. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, like because Miss Mrs. Um, Deagle is set up as being very much an Ebenezer Scrooge character. She even has the but it's Christmas. It's like well, ask Santa yeah. for it. Like that. Good morning. Of... What is it? Yeah. What's good, what good about it? Yeah, that and but I kind of feel like even that was a little bit wasted. I almost feel as though the Gremlins should have been like tonight. You'll be visited by three Gremlins mm. and <laughs> had a bit of a past, present, and future thing where they're just messing around with her um, as opposed to. Doing the quite funny thing of killing her with a supercharged electric stairlift. <laughs> that's a lot where of again, there is, yeah. Mm. That's where again, I think maybe there was a lot more to the original script that mm. the more people had fun with it. Mm. Like, I wonder if Chris Columbus actually enjoys this movie because mm. he wrote the original play, yeah, uh, the original play script, original script. I wonder if this is exactly how he wanted it because mm. I feel like it probably isn't. Maybe he went, you know what? I'm going to strip it back. It's going to be one kid and two guys. Home alone. <laughs> That's how we're doing it. Coming next week. Uh, yeah, it's... it's Because uh, the whole time watching it, it, it does feel as though it suffers a little bit from what some people would say about Die Hard. Now, I personally think that Die Hard is a Christmas film, partly because I think that that setting informs so much of what happens even though everything is super decorated and you know all Christmassy and there's carolers and things like that I don't know that it actually informs as much of the story uh certainly from the gremlins perspective I feel like the gremlins could have attacked during any popular American holiday and had a great time mimicking like you know turkey carvings or easter egg hunting or things like that I I think the the thing that does tie it in is the scrooginess of, of Deagle and um, um, Phoebe Cates' dead Santa dad. That's so funny. <laughs> I think the main problem with it is that the film is unclear as to what the gremlins represent. Mm. Uh, like, what metaphor are they trying to push onto the protagonist? What message are they trying to send? Mm. Rather, other, other than don't mess with the exotic animal trade. Yeah. The, the Gremlins are tremendous fun, though. They I, are. I, I just want to return to that very briefly. Um, I I really liked the Dark Crystal TV series that was out oh, last I'm year. I'm so upset they didn't get a second season. I know. It's it's very 
it is very upsetting. But part of the joy of for me of that was seeing all this amazing puppetry work um, done in a way that is very different from things like the Muppets, which I also like, but there's certain things the Muppets can do and certain things they can't do. And I feel as though Gremlins is almost just like that community cutting loose a little bit, mm. where, you know, they can be violent and blow things up and be like, let's tie Gizmo to a dartboard and throw <laughs> knives at him and things like that. It's, it is, I, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate the design um, and the aesthetic of all of these different, very different looking gremlin creatures. Like obviously Stripe is quite distinctive because mm. he has to be as the leader. But even though the other gremlins aren't named, there's all these little details to them. The, the one that's listening to the jazz in the bar and go, yes. like, like he's got very specialized clothing and the way he moves is very different from the one that's in the leg warmers. Like there's all, the, that there's all this ridiculous, fun. The little flash dance yeah. one. And that's where, again, I keep going back to it, but that's where in the second one, they kick it up a level where they're very familiar characters from the first one, but then they, just with this added science experiment side to it, they can like turn that up to eleven. Rather than giving them different hats and slightly different movement. That's they can, it. The whole design. They've got full-on personalities, which ju- it's again, it's quite fun. It's like they, mm. it's almost like this is the pilot episode, and then the the mm. reboot or the, no, the, the series is the mm. yeah yeah. And the cinema sequence is outstanding. It's like, gorgeous. Like I, I really liked the cinema sequence from the Muppet movie. Um, yeah. I, I, a little bit of me thinks that maybe this one's a, a better load of puppets in the movie theater, just because of how chaotic it is, but but not not out of control. Like it's it's chaotic, but it's controlled the way they're obviously doing it. And then it turns into the big chase when mm. they realize that, that Billy's there. And I, and it's a little bit like Inglorious Bastards as well, which is kind of funny. Um, but it's, that's I, where there's yeah. subtle comedy that I love, like yeah. Spike coming out of the candy shop with all of that. Oh. And just like the, f- <laughs> like, that's where this, that's where the, I love those puppets though, that they've got, like there's so much, Small, subtle movements to their faces. You get a lot of stuff with the eyebrows, like, and yeah, the really, mouth. Even yeah. the like the ma- like Gizmo's yeah. mouth movements. Like Gizmo barely says anything, and there's moments where he's like, "Get!" Like he looks at Corey Feldman. I think at one point, like, "Are you serious?" And mm. you you just go, "That's incredible!" And like the sequence where the gremlin offshoots of um, Gizmo are eating the chicken. That's amazing. Yeah, like it's and it's interesting because they do seem to play around with speed and a little bit of stop motion mm. in parts but it doesn't feel out of place or janky. No. It just feels like, oh, they've got this weird rapid movement thing that they can do. These these messed up yeah. Furbies that are just going around and destroying things. Um, yeah, they're tremendous, tremendous fun. But it's such a weird film. Weird. It really is. Yeah. Um, you... Go ahead. It might be in your trivia, but mm. it's, it's only the one little tidbit of knowledge I have about this film is... The connection to the Goonies. Oh, go ahead. I think it, it's um they live in the same universe in the same world. Oh, okay. so in the Goonies, there's a scene where the cops answer the phone and they're like, "What do you mean there's little green things running around?" And it's the it crosses the films over mm. from one another. It absolutely does. That's my only little other tidbit of knowledge I know about this film. And that means in that universe, there are two Corey Feldmans. Wow, one one's a lot younger than mm. the other. Yeah, <laughs> one looks a lot younger. Mm. Uh, would you guys like some more trivia about yes, Gremlins? Yes, please. Sure. All right. All of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. And the first bit of trivia was something that uh, Andrew actually spotted straight away. The, <laughs> the set for Kingston Falls is the same set used for Back to the Future. I can't remember embarrassed how quickly. It, it was the second the shot came on screen. I was like, that's the lot from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. That's all, I had one of those moments where I was watching Batman returns i think once mm. and realized that wayne manor is the mallory gallery from the great muppet caper <laughs> so i i'd be proud of that that's i think a that's one. a thing to be proud of mm. you're you're spotting the back to the future set because that's cause it looks different it's covered in snow i'll take it yeah I'll take it. they never show the clock tower but it's there it is there it is there. wow um the santa speech as it's known <laughs> Uh, proved to be controversial and studio executives insisted upon its removal because they felt it was too ambiguous as to whether it was supposed to be funny or sad. (laughs) Cut and paste for the whole film. Uh, (laughs) 
Director Joe Dante stubbornly refused to take the scene out, saying it represented this movie as a whole, which had a combination of horrific and comedic elements. Executive producer Steven Spielberg didn't like the scene, but despite his creative control, he viewed this movie as Dante's project and allowed him to leave it in. Okay, that's a good move. Yeah, and I think it is weird that Spielberg is so connected to this film, because it doesn't feel like a Spielberg film, even though elements it's got, do. There's, I there's think. touches. There's yeah. There's definitely elements to mm. it. Like like um. I mean, there's a lot of references to him. Like you know, the little ET doll in the toy yeah. shop and things like that. But even the explosions and the music and the swells. Mm. Like there's some stuff in there. Yeah. I'm kind of glad they kept it. In. Otherwise, that whole speech of Phoebe. I like that. That's the problem they took, and not the speech of Phoebe Cates at the start, which is talking about how everyone kills themselves at Christmas. Yeah. Like, Some people open presents, others open their wrists. wrists. Like yeah. that, what is that line? That's mm. insane. Like, so I'm glad they kept it in to at least give her a bookend for this yeah. horrific mm. mentality. And on I it. think if you're going to go weird and off-putting, you have to put all of it in there. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it reminds me of the um, Mr. Mistopheles speech from Team America, where he's talking about his brother. Yeah. That's the reference that I get. My brother was raped by Mr. Mistopheles. That's the one that came to mind for me. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's, I, I think this film is better for them leaving it in, even yes. though, it, 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 well, they're right. It reflects the film. It's funny and sad and just weird. Yeah. Um, this film was released on the same day as Ghostbusters in 1984. Originally, they were going to be releasing this as a holiday release, but it got pushed forward because the studio went, we don't have anything for July. We need to put something up against Ghostbusters. So Gremlins was pushed forward, which again might be why it feels a bit choppy because they were like, we've got six months less than we thought. Mm. Quick, do this. And maybe that's why they, maybe it was less Christmassy for that reason. Mm. It's not a Christmas release. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it was more heavy-handed with the Christmas stuff early on. Mm. Yeah. Um, Whilst this film did not do as well as Ghostbusters in most places, um, it did better in New York City. Uh, Specifically because in New York... People were furious about the traffic that was disrupted because of the filming of Ghostbusters. <laughs> and so a lot of them just refused to go to the film because oh it annoyed God. them so much. Um, so, yeah, the, the Gremlins film did much better in Ghost, than Ghostbusters for the entirety of its run. Just because wow. New Yorkers were super annoyed with That's Bill so Murray good. blocking the street. It's so funny that the second one is then set in New York. And they start the film in New York here as well. Mm. Um, at least one of Phoebe Cates' screams is genuine in the tavern, and that's because an enormous cockroach crawled out in front of her. (laughs) (laughs) One of the studio notes to director Joe Dante and Spielberg uh, on seeing the first cut was that there were too many gremlins. Uh, Spielberg suggested cutting them all out and calling the movie People. (laughs) (laughs) I think it it is good that they, how hard they go with the gremlins. Mm. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're only going to be five... When they do that original split. And then and she then, kills three and you're like, oh, there's only two left. And then that giant multiplication in the pool. It's, that's like, a really great, cool go scene. for it, go uh, for yeah. it. And I like how they, that's one great piece of using the film to tell the story. I love how, because he does that, before that you see him do one drop on the gremlin and yes. you get two gremlins. Hmm. And so then to see Stripe jump into the pool you're like, oh, we're going to get a lot of yeah. gremlins. Like, that was a beautiful way of uh, showing, not telling, mm-hmm. I, I think. And the shot of the pool bubbling up with all the oh, smoke so cool. as Billy's running away, I'm like, that's genuinely terrifying. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know how they did that. Mm. Uh, Zach Galligan, who played Billy, uh, recounted in an interview that when the movie was made, there was obviously very little to no CGI. So all the gremlins were animatronics, each costing between... Um, Thirty to forty thousand dollars. When everyone left for the day, security would make sure would make everyone open the trunks of their cars to make sure they weren't stealing gremlins. Yeah, yes, that's a fair call. You'd be tempted. Yeah. Yeah. Even just to borrow it for a day, just to take it home and play with it with the yeah. kids or whatever. Yeah. Um, an early attempt to make this film saw them try and make the film with monkeys playing the gremlins. Oh, my God. To feed into your animal treatment thing. Um, It didn't work. The test monkey panicked when they they tried to make it wear a gremlin head and went nuts and destroyed a lot of the set. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's horrible. It is horrible. But, um, and I I do think that's... 
I did worry when I saw Barney the dog tied up with the Christmas lights. That scene, that's the... There's a lot of hatred of that scene because he is actually just tied. Yeah, tied up. Because like, I, I was looking and going, how have they done this in a way they've that's safe for the dog? Up. And they haven't, yeah. No, they've just wrapped oh, around him on the ground and then hoisted him up and then put him up there. Yeah, so... I'm, I'm glad they didn't go with the monkeys and that there was mm. not more Simeon's dress made yeah. because of this film. A potential director for this film was Tim Burton. Um, Steven Spielberg had been considering him to direct the film, but decided against it because at the time, Burton had not directed a full feature movie. No. That would be an interesting choice. Mm. That would that have been would've... his first film. It would have been before Pee Wee. Mm. Oh, yeah. Would have been a lot of black and white spirals. Or like Stripe would have been a bit more jagged, I think. <laughs> Probably. That would have, it would have been a long time. It wasn't Pee Wee that's like 88. It's like four years before his first big film. Mm. And well, then he... Yeah, because then Batman's 89. Yeah. Yeah. And that was his second. Yeah, that's crazy. He would have been so little. He would have been. Little, little Tim Burton. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Uh, Could have worked. Yeah. Would have gone much harder on like the, the goth, weird backstory. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the Phoebe Cates character yes. would have been more... Winona Ridery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it would have been probably Winona Ryder. Let's be, let's be yeah, real. Let's be honest. As yeah. young as she would have been, they, they, he'd be like, no, got to have her. Uh, little to no actual dialogue existed for the Gremlins um, in the script. In addition to several instances of onset rewrites changing or adding to much of the script, the voiceovers were mostly ad-libs, repeating snippets of just performed dialogue or in reaction to other sound effects in the environment. Uh, Howie Mandel voiced Gizmo's lines phonetically for foreign dubs of the movie, uh, which uh, were, sorry, where localised dialogue and in-jokes helped make this movie successful with audiences worldwide. Oh, okay. That's cool. And I think that is cool. Yeah, they got Howie Mandel to to do it in all the various different dialects and voices and and, uh, in-jokes and things. Because, like, we're hearing little things with the gremlins, like little words that they're saying uh, in English. And I think that if... I spoke a different language and I watched this film and knew it was made in the English language, but then the gremlins are saying things in German or Spanish or whatever it is. I, I, I could see myself going, oh, that's really cool. Also, that that is another thing that I made note of, is the fact that these are clearly intelligent creatures from the get-go because mm. they're clearly speaking, or at least mimicry. So mm. someone should have picked up on that very quickly. Yeah. Again, <laughs> we think the animals are dumb. <laughs> yes. Mm. Could play, there's a whole... There's a whole moral tale going on here. The the feeding them after midnight thing. Yeah. Just to pull away from the trivia. When when can you start feeding them? That's that's what I was talking about yeah. at the beginning. It's always after midnight. Mm. It never stops being... I'm sure this has been talked about a million times yeah. in a million I discussions, mean, but the, it's the, always after midnight. There are massive questions about how did the Mogwai evolve? Like, you know, where, where did they go into an environment that had no water? Like... And if so, why are they covered in fur? Because presumably that would be a very hot environment. Um, why is it evolved to such a state that they turn into a radically different creature when exposed to water? I, I think the answer is it's either magic or it's uh, biological. Cre- it's a scientific creation. Yeah, it's not a natural creature. Mm. Oh, they're not real. No, oh. I'm sorry. Oh well, no, I'm relieved. Quite <laughs> Um, the gizmo puppets were particularly frustrating because they were smaller than the other gremlins and broke down more frequently. Consequently, to satisfy the crew, a scene was included in which the gremlins hang gizmo on the wall and throw darts at him. <laughs> <laughs> this was included on a list that the crew created, known to them as horrible things to do to gizmo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's so funny. Mm. Uh, Hoyt Axton was always the first choice to play Rand Peltzer and he's great we've already said that but just throwing it out there again I think he is really good Uh, Pat Harrington Jr. was also considered for the role Uh, another Pat Pat Hingle is said to have delivered the best screen test but was passed on because it was feared that um, Randall would take over the movie as a result of Hingle's excellent performance said Joe Dante he played this character as a sort of Soroyan-esque failed inventor whose life was fading fast, and he was brilliant. He was incredible. He was so good we couldn't hire him because that's not what the character was about. <laughs> you know what? Hearing that as an actor, you'd just be pissed. Yeah. I'm sorry, you are too good to be in this film. Yeah. What else has he been in? Pat Hingle. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really familiar with the I'm name. But this is why we have Google. Oh, he's in Batman. 
He's Batman. Oh, is he one of the mobsters? He's in Batman, yeah. He's, um, or is he, the, no, is he, he's Commissioner Gordon. Oh. Batman. Oh. Oh, yeah. Um, hang him high, sudden impact. Wow. Maximum overdrive. Wow. Wow. He did okay. He did okay. And apparently... Talladega he, Nights. He did so okay that he wasn't, wasn't allowed in Gremlins. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. You're too good. Wow. It's like the reverse of that scene from Wayne's World 2 where um, they've got the gas station clerk and then they replace him with Charlton Heston. Because <laughs> yeah. he's too good. Mm. He's in Muppets from Space. Muppets from Space. Oh, he was Commissioner Gordon in so many films. I didn't realise. He was basically Commissioner Gordon until Gary Oldman. I mean, they've got to keep someone consistent through all the films, I guess. I guess so. Mm. The final bit of trivia. Uh, Zach Gallagher already auditioned for parts with Phoebe Cates before they auditioned for this film and was very comfortable with it because they were friends. When it came to the audition for this film, he rested his head on her shoulder and gazed in the, uh, at the camera. Spielberg reportedly said, Oh my God, look at that. He's in love with her already. I don't need to see anything else. And cast him based on that. Oh, cool. Apparently that's a, Stil- a Spielberg thing. Like mm. he's, yeah... He does that stuff a lot. Yeah. And, like, th- th- those two were okay together. They didn't have a, a lot of, like, depth. Like, Billy is literally just a guy who mm. is, like, working at the bank, but he doesn't really go for any growth or change or anything. I thought you were going to say he doesn't really go for the grope. He doesn't. Well, <laughs> also, he doesn't yes. go for the grope, and that's why he's a good I mean, guy, because Judge no, Reinhold would have. He would have. Yeah. There's no real room for them to grow a relationship, though. It, it mm. kind of... That's where the flaws of the movie come out. I think is like there's no you've you've got these arcs of story that you that they seem to want in there, but there's no place for them. Yeah, their relationship isn't really a conflict that needs to be resolved. His only conflict is with uh, Deagle, mm. and she gets killed in a way that's not at all connected to him anyway. Yeah, it's almost he's not as... even aware that she's died. No. Mm. So. It's almost as though they just wanted to put some gremlins in a film and built everything else around that. And you know what? That's okay. That's fine. Uh, so all that remains for us to do is to score Gremlins. And you get to go first, Andrew, as the first time viewer. What are you giving Gremlins out I don't of know. I don't. <laughs> because I really enjoy it. But is it a good film? I'm not sure. I don't know where it falls in the scale. I don't know how to rate this. Because it's not a film I would like put on to hate watch, like a lot of like really bad B grade mm. horror and stuff can be. Mm. It's just a film I would sit down and enjoy and have a couple beers with mates and have a good time with. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's like a, a cinema experience, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say six and a half uh, invasive species violations. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's fair. Uh, and that's six and a half. Too many invasive species <laughs> violations. Don't do that, people. Uh, Merry Christmas. Um, Tegan, you get to go next. What are you giving Gremlins out of ten? Um, I'm going to give it... I'm a bit the same. Like, I... It's like, what do you score it? Because yeah. you, you love it. It's terrible for a lot of the film. You're like, whew. But it's not... It's not B-grade terrible. It's enjoyable. Terrible. Uh, I'm going to give it seven... I'm the sheriff assholes <laughs> out of 10 because mm. that line and those two characters are so m- underrated they, they and hilarious. really weren't in the film enough. And and that that feels like a, an ADR ad lib as well because mm. it happens yes. as soon as I walk <laughs> off camera. Yeah. Why can't I drive? Because I'm the sheriff asshole. asshole. Yeah. I'm so glad they put that in. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, look, I... I there's, there's so much that's good about this film. There's a lot that's not good about yeah. it. And, like, I, don't, I... Again, I don't know that I'll be, you know, inviting people around and go, let's watch Gremlins, please. No, come back. Like, you know, it's... <laughs> but at the same time, like, I, I enjoyed swathes of it. Like, I enjoyed sections. I, I really thought the use of um, other media, like other films, and, like, in the science class with all the... the the heart documentary and all that imagery while Mr. Hansen's like hunting around the classroom for this mysterious gremlin that you know is going to kill him. Um, it's like bits of that are really good. But then you've got Phoebe Kate's talking about her dead dad <laughs> and, and the chimney. And there's just, yeah, I think there's more good than bad, but I think it's 
it it's really in the middle for me. So I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it five and a half um Santa corpses stuck in the chimney <laughs> out of ten. It's a big chimney. Yeah. Look, they just he kept broke doing his neck. it. He was up there for two days. <laughs> yeah. The smell. <laughs> yeah, it's um it, look, it's a really interesting film. I'm, I'm glad we watched it, and I'm glad we watched it at Christmas time as well. I, I think it does benefit a little bit from that. It does make me want to, and, and you were talking about Tegan, I do really want to watch the second one now. I think you'll love it. Mm. And I think you'll appreciate it once you've watched Like, you could watch it on its own, I think, but there is a real, a genuine, different appreciation that comes from watching the two and yep. seeing the evolution of them well Andrew and Tegan thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club you are welcome Merry Christmas Merry Christmas everyone thank you Andrew thank you Tiny Tegan (laughs) Uh, for those of you listening at home thank you for listening in hey you picked this film Uh, thank you so much for that you can pick other films uh, throughout the upcoming year Gremlins 2 yeah If, if, if it comes up in any of the film polls you can suggest it we will do it if you vote for it. How do you do that? Well, you can become a member of our Patreon and you can suggest films. Uh, one of our patrons did suggest Gremlins. Uh, that's that's how we got to this place. So um, so if you want to do that, go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. Uh, you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, to vote on these things, go over to our Facebook page. Just you can so- pay more though. You can pay more, but let's, we'll start them low. We'll start them low. Start them low. Yeah, and then add a drop of water and watch them multiply. Multiply. Um, you can vote for these films over on our Facebook page. Just search for them, uh, the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. Uh, you can also get news and updates and things like that. And, of course... You can get nudes? You can get nudes, yep. Um, just, just... You can't help yourself. Once, once a month, we get... I want to be in the extras. <laughs> I want to be in the special features. <laughs> Once a month, we pull a name out of the hat, and that person has to do a nude photo shoot, but set in their favourite film. <laughs> oh, this month it's me. Yeah, <laughs> going. <laughs> but there's just naked. There's just artfully placed um, gremlin heads. No, I'm I'm literally that that flasher gremlin that shows yeah. up in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, there are there are nudes. <clears throat> And you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all of those places, and listen in there. Uh, But that is all for this week, so until next time, goodbye! Bye bye! I can't remember who sings it. Bye! You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.